Charlie Kaufman's fake twin brother Donald dies at the end. This is spoilers. Hello, everybody. How's it going today? Pretty another day in paradise. Yeah. Another day in Spoderville. So, what's the name of the movie? What's the name of the movie we're reviewing today? What, it's like a, abortion. A, holy shit! Dude. It rhymes <laughs> with <laughs> much motion. <laughs> oh, is that too far? No, we going I for a softer joke. No, Pap, you're going the wrong way. It's adoption. Uh, oh, so a adop- baby was born. Motion. Adopt. Adaptation. Adoption. Yeah. <laughs> So this is a Spike Jones-directed movie uh, from the early 2000s, uh, written by Charlie Kaufman, obviously. Um, The best. Let's go around and introduce ourselves, and you can just say first impressions of the movie. Uh, Vince, go ahead. Hey, this is Vince, the intern. Also, we saw that there's rival interns out there on podcasts, so I got some beef with y'all. But anyways, out here in Denver, Colorado, (laughs) this is a no. (laughs) <laughs> what? <laughs> this was spoilers. Get back to emails. <laughs> this is Josh Hensley playing us out. He's from the Rudabay. Curtains. Curtains. So we have 35 or 40 minutes to try to talk Vince into liking this movie. It's kind of the challenge. I would love I it. Yeah, let's try it. Try me. All right, Stevie, who are you? <laughs> Easy there, the caterpillar from <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> Who are, are you? you? Um, I am Stevie Putman, recording from Elkhart, Indiana. I am Team Ooh. Yes on this one. Also, don't want to get too carried away, but there's a podcast out there that we had on earlier that's stealing oh, our entire Jesus. format, and we oh, do that not appreciate true, it. But or or at least have us on your show at some point. You know who you are. <laughs> Um, if you're listening now, we better be getting invited soon. But, They're going to be um, saying wow. the same thing on their next episode. Seriously. I can't believe he's not naming names, yeah, though. He's just no, no make. slander or libel on our on Spoder's podcast. <sighs> Jesus. We're not... I'll just say they've switched their names, so they might We're be going with something else now. But um, I love this movie. thought it was awesome. Very well written, awesomely acted, and I can't wait yeah. to get into it. Pappy. Well, this is quite the start we've had to a podcast. I haven't had one like this in a while. Um, this is Pappy recording from Denver, Colorado, and I'm going to jump in on the hot stove. And I think that this movie is self-indulgent, off-putting, pseudo-intellectual bullshit. Yes. Also bald. Also pathetic. What's, let's go on uh, Cage's depressed anecdote or fucking uh, voiceover and just repeat that. And everything he says is the movie. I'm Team Denver, this movie I'm sucks. Back to you, Josh. <laughs> no, it's back to Mikey, actually, last but not least. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm Mikey. I'm recording from Elkhart. Uh, do you want me to say yes or no already? or Just do what you feel like, bro. Describe what I thought about? <laughs> just do what you feel like. <laughs> <laughs> this is a... This is a no dog. What? <laughs> uh, yeah. Very, very meta movie. Too meta. Wow. This is gonna be fun. This is gonna <laughs> be fun. <laughs> we haven't had a debate on spoilers in a long time. I'm pumped. Okay. Uh, this is Josh. I'm recording. This from... is this is Time Bandits territory. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, yes. Pump oh, up the crowd. Jesus. Pump up the crowd. 
An abortion <laughs> joke and a time bandage joke in one podcast? Gee. In the first five minutes. <laughs> Mikey, were you on oh, the higher episode? <laughs> okay, we're not even five minutes in yet, and we've kind of done everything. Uh, <laughs> not sure where to go from this. <laughs> this is Josh from Elkhart, your host today. <laughs> I won trivia last week, so I get the dubious honor of trying to defend a movie that apparently is self-indulgent bullshit art house whatever yeah. oh, no. Me and Steve. no 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 it's not art house there's no art in this film okay <laughs> well um okay all right well, I, I like to break these things into three acts and go through it but this uh script is such that I don't think that's very easy to do. So mm. I think almost like no one told Charlie Kaufman. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, Pappy, do you think this movie has no merit at all? No, I'm not saying that at all. And, and there were parts that I thought were a little humorous, but this movie thinks it's the shit and it's not, mm. I, it, I didn't, I think it's easy to say, Oh, Nick Cage is a bad actor. Or this movie's confusing. I don't think it's confusing at all. I think it's it's a pretty interesting concept, but it's beaten down over the course of two hours to the point where I don't even care anymore. And at first I thought the whole Nick Cage gimmick, which it is a gimmick, was a little silly. But then by the end, it's just too much. I don't even know why we're doing it. So it's almost like it went too deep in the deep end for me what gimmick what gimmick are you talking about that he has a twin brother or that he's writing the story as it unfolds yes both and yeah, the twin both. brothers play by the same actor i, I mean gotta, i think that yeah. i love that i, I mean it's he, so on the nose though that the it's a metaphor of like his other side there's some like depressed guy writer and it's such like obvious like oh it's twin brother that really only shows up at his house is basically no. his conscious and like other side. First of all, do you guys think he acted well enough to buy that it's like two separate people? I, I, yes. I, hear, I hear no from Vince. No, no, I'll no. I yes. never yeah. said that it didn't seem like two people. I just said the premise was dumb and on the nose. That you might didn't have say been he was his, a bad actor. I did. Okay, yeah, I'll this. back this up. So in the thread, in the last, I don't know, 26 hours, I have took the biggest dump on this film. But... <laughs> That all being said, I was definitely hating on Cage, but and I th- I don't think he's a good actor. I'll say that right now. Nicholas Cage is not a great actor. He's been in decently good movies, and he's one of those Hollywood characters that like people like him. He's not bad. Uh, he had a couple good like hits kind of things that kind of just propelled him into other roles, and he's one of those that like can do no wrong. Oscar yeah, winner. he is an Oscar winner. I'll throw that out there as well. Um, but he's like a do no wrong kind of any movie he's in, people will go see. Uh, I mean, if you like National Treasure, um, you know, I quit. I'm never doing a podcast again. Like, good God, that's bad. But Dude, The Rock is an amazing movie. <laughs> the what? The Rock with Sean Connery. Eh, so, Maybe. yeah, Nick oh, Cage is, like, in this weird going. fame spot where he's, like, so memeable and, like, yeah. he's very slash easy. R slash one true God, the best of <laughs> yeah. He's easy to make fun of, but. I mean, well, if you okay, just okay, hold on. Let me roll back to my rant. My the rollback would be that uh, he to Josh to your question. I think he did a decent job of playing two different people. I do think he did a decent job of playing the twin, even though I think that's a really stupid, cheap concept. Agreed. Yeah, and I think that I, I don't want this 
to become a, oh, you don't think Nick Cage is a good actor, you didn't get the movie. That's not what we're saying. I actually think Nick Cage is a good actor who just takes extreme risks. And sometimes he hits a home run, and sometimes he fucking strikes out on his face. I think this movie's more in between, but he's not my problem. My problem is an uncontrolled Charlie Kaufman who is a genius who no one told no to and lets the film just deteriorate all over itself off a thin premise. <laughs> but, Mikey, what do you think? Sorry, we've been... Yelling and screaming. Hating so hard, yeah. <laughs> Let's roll back the hate a little bit. Uh, no, I agree with uh, with what both of you guys said. I think it is kind of full of itself in a lot of ways. Um, Nick, Nick Cage isn't the worst part of this movie, but I found both of his characters to be so, so like annoying that it was hard to even care about the movie. So I don't know whose fault that is if it's the writing or if it's nick cage but i was just so disinterested throughout stevie where are you man where are you pull us in stevie i think y'all i think y'all clowns are missing like the miracle that this movie is so the orchid thief is a new york times bestseller preach it (laughs) and a producer bought the rights amen brother okay we're gonna make a movie we're gonna make a movie about this charlie kaufman Pretty decent writer. Great writer. Great writer. Great they writer. Gave, Genius. They gave, they gave this to him and they said, turn this into a movie. He had no idea how to turn it into you a guys, movie. You guys, this is real. He took Yeah, like, I saw eight the years. movie. I get it. I get it. I understand. He's, you're you're no, saying I don't understand what it's trying to be. I get listen, it. Listen, <laughs> he... He got no. this assignment in 94, and this movie didn't come out till 2002. Like, he had a severe case. Well, speaking of timeline, of let's, real, let's bring in the fact that he, like, straight strokes his own ego of being John Malkovich. Stevie, all right, Stevie, movie, back to you. Stevie, Stevie back wrote. to you. Sorry, we cut you off there. Go ahead. Yeah, that was... No, it's okay, guys. No, Can Stevie, I... go ahead. Don't be a, don't be a poop. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just saying, you guys are acting like a coach draws up a Hail Mary play. Like, this was his Hail Mary. I mean, this was... I mean, he only did one draft of it. And that conversation with Robert McKee, who's a very real person, who I watch a lot of his YouTube videos a lot, he said, this is the only script that never had a rewrite or a draft on it. This is the, the original script. Well, then maybe that plays to the it's fact the one- that not that uh, design by committee sometimes works because if this is one of those first draft scripts, uh, I think it needed a rework. But it's also proved to the point that Maybe that yeah, book was just impossible to turn into a movie. True. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he also succeeded at turning a movie. Then why about, do it? Well, if you're a studio and you already greenlit something, you already have like things moving in place, you need that script. And this is what they had. And uh, Susan, um, what's his name? What's her name? Susan. Um, Orlean. 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 Yeah. As in she was, so as I in did, she didn't like it, or why was she the she last person? She did not person? like no, it. No, she didn't. As it, she did not originally like it, and they're also terrified because they were like, "We told her we were giving her a movie about her book, and we gave her X." Has she come out since we then in, in support of the film, or is she still? Yes. she loves okay. it. She loves the film. Hmm. She absolutely loves this film. She so, says it. It took I her think, a while because it didn't portray, you know, in the reality within the movie. You know, that's not. You know, she didn't cheat on her husband with the Roach in real life, but. Um, she came to terms. She, to <laughs> she came to terms with the movie and came to find that it actually held a lot of the same virtues that she was trying to push in her. Well, that was an interesting, interesting writing. phrase you just used. Came to terms with it. How would you feel? And I, and I think that we we interviewed a, a writer later on. I wish we would have asked her this, but how would you feel if we took 
something that was your life's work, a New York Times bestseller, and then a screenwriter said, I'm actually going to take your story and make it about me. Wouldn't you be upset? Mm. If it was Charlie Kaufman, no. I'd be pumped if it was Charlie to that to me. At the time, in 2002, pre-Eternal uh, Sunshine, you're still on board? I mean, you got to think of it as extending the run of your book regardless. I mean... It's a movie about. We keep your book. calling Charlie Kaufman a genius, and I'm looking at his work as a writer. Is he a genius? I know you guys I love Eternal. Yeah. I know you guys like this movie. He did Being John Malkovich, and then love he did Sinodoki uh, New York, which I thought was not that great, and I definitely mispronounced. And Amalisa was awesome. Okay, well then maybe he's a genius, but if the, you guys can't get over, is like if you guys can't get over like a little ego stroking, like. How do you watch movies and never enjoy yourself? I mean, every Hollywood film represents tons of ego stroking. This was meta and like not not a great way like Malkovich. Oh, what was that, Mikey? I hated that part. Malkovich was meta in a very different way. How so? Like, what do you mean? Like, uh, he was just like, he was in his own head. And like in this, it's like the book is referencing the, the writer writing the screenplay. The screenplay is referencing the LaRoche and... It's just like kind of circular in that fashion, but like with Malkovich, he's like it's meta in his own head, like he's fantasizing, like we're inside of his head. I don't know how to explain it, but no, I think it's, it's just different. And this, I think that's a great point. And I think where John Malkovich felt more original to me, where this this seems lazy, and it, and I don't think that the fact that this was a one draft script, I think that shows. And I, and like I said, just to bring it back to actual points, like in the third act. I really think this movie starts to fall apart when uh, Charlie and his brother Don go to Florida. Like that whole—that's what he references. That whole—I know that it's referenced, but and I also don't think that just because you say earlier in the screenplay, "Never use a Deus Ex Machina," and then you have a car crash out of nowhere, and don't you dare bring in a Deus Ex Machina. Just because you were smart enough to identify what that is, that doesn't give you permission to make it a part of the movie and it not be annoying. It is still annoying. <laughs> well, I keep bringing this up. Am I the only person that's not annoyed by, or that is annoyed that John Malkovich was in this movie and there was an obvious nod to Charlie Kaufman wrote that. So he basically was just like jerking off in the corner. Like, Oh yeah, I made John Malkovich. Let's put it in my new movie. That's supposed to be brilliant. That pissed <laughs> remember, me off to no remember extent. Remember John Malkovich? Uh, yeah. yeah we John He's John like Malkovich. rubbing his yeah, nipples and like being so like <laughs> pumped that he made a good movie, but then he put it into yeah. another movie that's supposed to be better. Get out of here. <laughs> that drove me crazy. Well, he didn't make it; he wrote. Same it. thing. That's why I meant like he wrote it. There's a, I mean, there's a far like, difference from the writer and the director. Stevie, you know very damn well that I meant wrote that and not made it. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I know, but you know, it's not like it's not like he directed this movie either. He just wrote yeah, it. Yeah, well, wrote both. <laughs> why even tout about tout about the fact that it was one draft? Like, why even make that a thing? Mm-hmm. Who cares? If anything, rewrite it. And Robert make it Robert McKee was just interviewed, and they said, "What was the best screenplay you ever read first time?" And he said, "Adaptation by far." Hmm. Maybe it's maybe it's good on paper. I was just bringing anyone, that. I was one... bringing that note up. Charlie Kaufman. So if this said is that. such a bad script that's so masturbatory, then why did Spike Jones sign on? Why is Meryl Streep in it? Why would Nick Cage take the role? I mean, there's a lot of good Chris actors. Chris Cooper. I mean, because it's an interesting. I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that the premise isn't interesting. I just don't think that the execution's well done. And I think that when you, just like you said, okay, we got Spike Jones. I thought it was a beautiful, beautiful movie. We got Nick Cage, Oscar winner. I don't know. I just. (sighs) Would you have rather seen The Orchid Thief 
as the book was. No, There's, <laughs> we'll never know, huh? <laughs> and her book will never be obviously a movie. one of the Why one of the best writers of our time. Movie? I don't understand. Never thought it could be made into a movie because it didn't. <laughs> it, it so let me ask you guys this that. question: Are any of you actually interested his... in writing? I is. I mean, Stevie. Depends, I like to. Depends uh, what you mean. I can be an idea guy, but I'm not smart enough to write. I like to write tweets at, yeah, at right. Spoilers Podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Wait. Oh, Our Twitters are pretty lit. I feel like Podcast if you spoilers. if you have any interest in writing, and I feel like forty characters or less. That's one thread that like being in Charlie Kaufman's <laughs> head, who's the main character of this. You know, you get all these tips and like gold nuggets of about writing throughout. And, like, I really do think there's a legitimate plot with him and his brother and, like, the whole scene where he's told by the screenplay expert, you know, what to do. And then he kind of follows that cliche in his own movie about a movie trying to not find... I mean, you can say, like, I guess you can say it's over-intellectual... I liked what you touched on there because the scene with the screenwriter, I think that that is by far the best scene in the movie. And I really, really liked it. And why the fuck are you wasting my two precious hours with your movie? I don't have any use for it. I don't have any bloody use for it. Okay, thanks. I don't know if Mike and Vince, you guys like could appreciate that scene. Yeah, but yeah can you guys what go do you around mean and... this? Screenwriter, though, like, what scene are we talking about? Oh boy! <laughs> no, no, but what, what are you talking about, Vince? Did you Vince watch this movie again? This movie. The professor, the scene with the professor. Okay, when he's yeah, at the, the writing professor seminar. was my favorite part because he was he was making fun of voiceovers when this whole fucking movie had voiceovers. Voiceovers is a really cheap way, <laughs> and that's exactly what the professor says. Thought that was brilliant. And again, yeah, I'll go back to just because oh, voiceover is bad, and you implement it. It doesn't abstain you from the sin of using it. It just means exactly. that not only are you using it, you're, you're so arrogant that you think <laughs> that you can point it out, waste waste time in a two-hour runtime movie pointing thought, it out, and then I thought it proved. It. I thought it actually proved that voiceovers can be interesting and fun and unpredictable. And that might have been the point, but I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think it was that way. This movie feels like someone. Someone bet him. Hey, can you make the Orchid Thief into a movie? And Charlie Kaufman was like, "I'll do my best, and I'll only do it in one try." That <laughs> <laughs> is what he came up with. That's pretty funny. <laughs> so uh, we're hitting on earlier. Vince said Vince and Pappy said their favorite scene was when Brian Cox is talking to Nick Cage's character in the bar, and he's kind of pulling him out in front of the audience too. Earlier, um, Mikey, what was your favorite scene? You had to have had at least a couple, right? Uh, I think that was the best scene, the professor scene. Um, the scenes where he is, uh, where he's kind of like arguing with his brother about different screenwriting stuff and where his brother would say something like a cliche, a typical movie cliche or something. And then Nicolas Cage would be like, don't say that. Which one? Yeah. I thought that was. <laughs> movie, what was the movie called? Three. He does that a lot. The uh, three, yeah. right? What was the movie the where three. his? Uh, what? The three. The three. The three. Okay, it's so split. John Cusack is in this split. movie, right? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. John Cusack's in the beginning of this movie, right? Yeah. Okay, that movie, the three he described, came out, I believe, the same year 
as adaptation, which Charlie Kaufman had to have known about, which gets even a little more meta Hollywood, was the movie Identity, where the killer at a motel was like seven <laughs> different identities. I've seen mm. that. <laughs> there you go. That's the exact movie he describes, which is movie. another connection. It's why I like this movie even more. But um, I guess my favorite scene is probably any scenes of Brian Cox playing Robert McKee, honestly. Wow. He's kind of like Brian the, Cox. He's kind of like the. He's kind of like the Yoda in this movie because, I mean, I think he's had what he, watched an interview with him where he said he sold 17 screenplays, but not one of them has ever been turned into a movie. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like Yoda in that regard, like in the old Star Wars where he tells everybody what to do and how to do it, but you never see him actually doing it. Hmm. So I, I mean, I just, I like Robert McKee a lot and I was really happy that Brian Cox played him. And yeah, then, I think he did a really I, good job with that too. My my favorite scene is probably when Nick Cage is on the elevator going to meet Meryl Streep, mm. uh, Susan Orlean, and he like lets the door shut, doesn't get off on her floor, goes up, all depressed, and she gets on, and he's just like for thirty seconds, it's just awkwardly him like starting to start engaging her, and then not. I thought that was like I was laughing out loud at it, and also kind of feeling awkward for him at the same time. It was great. Yeah. I would have to add to that, that I think that was a good acting job because you felt like the character had no self-esteem and had no balls to like talk to her. Like you, he definitely did a a good job in in certain parts. I think that was one of those. And isn't that maybe why it's beautiful. Charlie Kaufman writing this and like, maybe it's an ego stroke, but he's like calling himself a, He's calling himself a worthless, fat, pathetic piece of crap the whole movie. I mean, doesn't all that? too, yeah. That's nearly all of his protagonists in every movie, though, isn't it? Her, her? Kind of just shy, meek, um, self-loathing, really shy. I mean, kind of withdrawn. That's like a lot of his But that's, to me, what made me like step back and not think of it as just like, oh, Charlie Kaufman's a genius that no one will say no to. It was like, he he came up with this like idea and people just went around along for the ride. I, I think it's entertaining, but um, <laughs> Pappy, was there a scene in the movie that summed up why you maybe hated this movie? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Pappy's like, how long you I got? got I got three lined up. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll just say, yeah, I'll say quickly, I'll say the drug, the drug scene when they use the plant as a drug. I don't know. That's got a little bit stupid, but you have a better one, Vince? Yeah. Well, yeah. Mine's, real quick, mine's... on that. Wait a second. On that drug scene, did you guys find that that drug sequence with Meryl Streep was better or worse I... than the Young Guns? <laughs> young Guns drug scene. <laughs> Coming back to it. Oh, God. oh. <laughs> damn it! A Young Guns and More a Time Bandits repris- in one episode. <laughs> this wow. episode's meta as fuck. <laughs> Go ahead, Vince. I'm sorry. Um, what was the question? Oh, yeah. So I knew I didn't like this film uh, within. I think it was a minute and 37 seconds, somewhere in there. Judgy. Um, This is where, so Charlie Kaufman, Nick Cage rattles on. I'm bald. I'm pathetic. I'm a loser. And just like keeps going on and on and on and on. It's like, yeah, we get it. You're a writer. That's what all writers feel like. Shut the hell up. And then it switches to this part where it shows like the big bang and then evolution and this like this fucking claymation uh, stop motion bullshit that what was that that oh, was like I one or two minutes that. into the you love that <laughs> what was the point of that 
it was it was not it it didn't add up to the tone of the film it made no sense to me it was like why would you show this and it looked like like a 1979 like production <laughs> of something they show in eighth grade science class uh before you get like a quiz pamphlet like that's what it looked like it was so piss poor and i knew immediately when i saw that I that if that completely. was included that mm-hmm. the movie was not gonna be good it came out in 2002 there's no excuse for that stevie why'd they do that I have no idea. It doesn't mean I didn't enjoy watching. Yeah, I got, okay, I got a theory. I got a theory. Yeah, I think please. I think it's a. I didn't immediately go. Sour. I think it's supposed to be like cheesy and what the hell, but also entertain you when you watch. And then later on in the movie, Nick Cage in his writer's block, out of desperation, is talking about how flowers evolved, and he's like, maybe that's where the conf- where the story can start at the very beginning of time, and then like. This is kind of like you're watching the movie as he writes it, and then that's like, a stretch. Okay, it's no, like a ch- I got that too. I got that too, like Josh. That that too, Josh. Yeah, I, I picked up on that, but like, like I said, just because like you're doing it later, that's assuming I'm still interested in the story at the uh, hour and forty five minute mark, and then again at like the ten minute mark, and I just <laughs> wasn't. <laughs> I, I saw it, but I didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I guess the writing in this was kind of like a train going and someone's actively laying down the tracks as the train's like moving right in front of it. I don't know. A very fun ride. Keeps you on the edge of your seat. I have an idea. Maybe to get a little bit more on writing, uh, we can listen to this interview that Pappy and I had with uh, my friend Katie just a little bit ago. Lay it down for us, Katie. What do you think? And here we have calling in one of my very good friends, Katie. Katie, where are you calling in from right now? Um, I'm in my apartment, uh, just off campus in Notre Dame. So she's in South, go Irish. She's in South Bend, Indiana. And, um, Katie, I, I find it pretty impressive. Like the amount of books you've put out, the amount of writing you've put out at such a young age, like five to six, we've kind of talked about it. Five to six books, full books. I even read five to six books and we're the same age. So that's (laughs) crazy. (laughs) Yeah, what do you have to say for yourself, Katie? That's a lot of writing. That's a lot of output. I don't know. I just fell in love with the Harry Potter series, and when it ended, I just kind of like freaked out because I didn't think I could fall in love with another novel. So I just decided I'd try writing my own and see what happened, and I kind of fell in love with uh, What was the first book that you wrote, uh, just as like an amateur or whatever? Yeah, it's called Magic, and it's about five teenage girls who get the powers of the Greek gods to go on a quest and defeat the Titans. So... Uh, super fantasy. Pretty epic. Definitely. Yeah. Harry Potter influence. <laughs> that sounds yeah, funny. For sure. yeah. Yeah. So Katie, when you wrote down when you wrote your first book, was it anything like Charlie Kaufman's experience <laughs> of trying to adapt this book into a screenplay? Orchid Thief. Yeah, I guess the only similarity was because it was about Greek gods, is I really needed to know about Greek mythology, so I did a lot of research, but I was more excited about the process than he was, and I wasn't really freaking out. You were more excited about the process, so you're not like a depressive writer. (laughs) I was more like, this is awesome. (laughs) Do you ever ever get writer's block, though, and like sort of do the thing where he does, where he's almost like when you're writing a high school essay and you say, I have 100 words to go. I now have 73 words to go because I just said five. Sort of that uh, (laughs) writing in circles, if you will. Yeah, I probably get that more for like college papers. And I had a point, I self-published my first novel when I was a junior in college. And like, 
I was so upset because I had to study for finals, but I was like, mm, I don't want to do that until like one in the morning. So I'll just work on my book. And I stayed up till five doing that. So have you ever considered writing yourself into your own book? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I thought about that, but I thought it'd be kind of boring. I don't know how much I would add to a story. Do you think it would be self-indulgent, narcissistic, solipsistic, and pathetic? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't really relate to this protagonist at all, which I think is a good thing. But uh, our intern Vince said in a text thread separate to this podcast that he thought the um, depressed writer overcoming his depression is like a trope. Did you feel like this movie was like cliche? I didn't think it was cliche just because of kind of how it ended. Um, I think this was a type of movie that you didn't know what was going to happen from scene to scene. And even though that can be viewed as a trope, I think the ending didn't make it that way. What in particular? So you like, did you like the ending then? Well, yeah. What about that? What about the ending? Are you particularly talking about? And yeah, did you like it? Yeah, I did like the ending because I was a hundred percent convinced that, the ending with, uh, is it LaRoche? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The ending with them in the swamp. I was convinced that this was Charlie's, like, script that he had written. And based on what the writing guru said, like, wow, I'm at the end. So I was like, oh, this is all fake. This is just him and his mind. And um, then when it wasn't, like, that totally threw me through a loop because I was like, wow. Like, the stuff with in the swamp and Meryl Streep char- Street's character wanting to kill them, and then the alligator. It was just like a, a lot happened that I was not planning on. And that's all takes place in the real world of the movie. Yeah. Right. Which is kind of confusing because there's also the real world, real world, and the book reality, and then like Charlie Kaufman's delusions. I, I don't know. There's a lot of levels there. There's also the MTV's real world, not to be confused with that <laughs> fine program. Yeah, but Katie. What's ever- uh, <laughs> yeah? Have you, do you have, what's next for you? Do you want to continue to write uh, mostly fiction? I guess, or, or what, what's your dream project? Yeah, I guess the dream project is just to keep writing um, for the rest of my life. But uh, magic's probably the dream project. Is eventually, I want to get a, another literary agent and get it published by a main publishing house in New York. And biggest dream ever would be to have it turned into a movie. But I think I should start with a literary agent first. Is there any place that uh, people can go to check out more about magic, Katie? Um, yeah, you can go to magicbooks.com, um, and it's spelled magic with a J, or you can go to katiemaddy.com. And real quick before you leave, have you ever read The Orchid Thief that this movie is loosely based on? I did not, but I feel like I should read it now. That was going to be my <laughs> follow-up question. Would you ever read it now? <laughs> yeah, I'm a little concerned, though. Because I feel like now that the book's spoiled for me, I don't really know how I'm going to feel reading it. Oh, this is spoilers, Katie. We, we embrace the spoilers here. You just got to <laughs> lean into them. What, what's your advice? Uh, well, if it's me personally, I don't read books, so you should be fine there. <laughs> I'll read yours for sure. I promise that. Uh, and that was, what was the website again? Just one more time. I... Uh, magicbooks.com. So it's M-A-J-I-C books.com. And before we go, Katie, cool. you give an adaptation a yes or a no? I give it a yes. I wanted to see right. more. She wanted, she wanted to, to see, see more. more. All right, bye, bye Katie. Katie. <laughs> bye. <laughs> see bye. ya. <laughs> Thanks. 
well, that was interesting. Oh, man, I didn't expect her to, I didn't expect her to make an abortion joke, too. Oh, no. Oh, man. Oh, that was like an adaptation level of bullshit. All right, coming out of that, Thanks, Katie. I thought we'd go around. This is a new thing that I thought maybe we could do is, Ooh. and we'll start with Vince, because I feel like you're light on your Ooh, feet right now. If you can make, and you, you kind of already answered this question earlier, but if you could make a drinking game for this movie, what would it be? Um... Okay. Yeah. So mine would be uh, turn the movie off, go outside with some friends, go to a park, and start <laughs> drinking uh, beer in the sun. Because this is a shit movie. <laughs> is that just going to be your stock answer from now on? <laughs> no, but that was so off the tongue. It worked perfectly. <laughs> All right, Stevie, how about you? You got a drinking game for this movie? Uh, take a gulp of beer anytime Charlie looks down at the floor, and take a shot anytime Charlie's pissed off at Donald. You'd be wasted. <laughs> there you go. Mikey? Take a drink anytime uh, Charlie makes you cringe. (laughs) 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 That's illegal. Happy. Happy. All right, my game's called You're Not Making It to Work the Next Day. Take a drink every time Nick Cage does something objectively ridiculous, which would be half the movie, (laughs) and then do a line of orchids every time they do a line of orchids. Whoa. Oh, wow. You'd be cheesing. Yeah. Quick trivia. The orchid drug is not real. Just made up for the script. Oh, no. Then what am I on right now? You seem totally plausible. (laughs) I just snorted a lot of flour before this. I am... uh... My drinking game, and I seriously just thought of this, uh, take a shot every time you find yourself really attracted to Meryl Streep. So anyway... Oh, I'll be dead cold (laughs) sober, dude. That's the worst game I've ever heard. (laughs) Sweet, sweet Meryl. (laughs) You're talking to the wrong podcast. Dude, we, did we, we saw our bags in this, right? Dude, we she's got... so brave, if you think about it. Like, if you see her at awards shows, like, just up on her soapbox. Back to spoilers. Um, rubbing her own nipples, talking about how awesome Hollywood is. She's so brave for doing that, you know? I, she's just had such a tough life. Vince, no. I thought you were a PC guy. What are you doing right now? <laughs> yeah, what is I, going I, I do on? not like Meryl Streep. Quoted as saying, I'm the most PC man on this podcast. No, I, I, I like being <laughs> PC. I don't like offending anyone, but I don't like uh, Meryl Streep because I think she's really pretentious. And her whole spiel at the uh, – oh, it wasn't the Oscars. Right. It was the other one. Um, right. Whatever. Golden, Golden Globes. Globes. She, just, she just got on a soapbox and said, I'm better than everyone. Agree with me, Hollywood. I'm a lifetime achiever. Like, it, like she is a decent actress, and then she goes and throws it away with, with her smug nose. Um, but no, not a fan of her. Wow, yeah, it nose just meant like turned up. Bring nose. it back. Yes, let's bring this. Yeah, that back. was an anti-Semitic. Jeez, we're good. Louise. and we're off air for good. Jeez. <laughs> Can we just have know. a moment of silence here for no, all the I'm listeners we just for lost? Spoilers. <laughs> for editing out all of that. <laughs> Pappy, play us out one last There's time. There's a disturbance in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'm pulling up her speech and we're going to fucking play No, it. no, come on. No, no, come on, no, please. No. She's brave. We get it. <laughs> move on. Yeah, let's move on. Happy. Any last thoughts about this movie? Are, you got anything back in your sleeve that you're kind of waiting to hold on? I mean, I don't think, like the movie, there wasn't a whole lot of character growth in this podcast. I don't know if anyone changed their stance, but maybe we can go around for some last thoughts anyway. Uh, sure, that sounds good. I'll, and, I, and yes or no's too. Are you ready for that? Sure, final yes or no's. That's good. All right. I mean, 
I'm not saying that there aren't redeeming parts of this movie, but when I was saying that this film is pretentious and sort of self-masturbatory, I wasn't just talking about Charlie Kaufman. I think that any movie that's about Hollywood gets like a 10% boost just from critics automatically. And especially like, I'm not faulting creative people because like, if you are an aspiring movie maker or movie writer and you see yourself in the characters, like, go for that. But I mean, most people aren't, and I and I'm not an aspiring writer, so I never get anything out of like, I think La La Land and Bowfinger and this are all kind of in the same category of, oh, it's Hollywood, it's about Hollywood, it's meta, it's cool, and it's it's just not for me. And and frankly, I think that the premise is just so ridiculous that it kind of feels like it is just Hollywood, Hollywood and creative people almost talking down to someone who doesn't think that this is like an interesting setup and the fact that this was Oscar nominated it's just a little ridiculous and I think that a lot of this movie rides the coattails of the reputations of the writer and the director and this I don't think this is either of their strongest work um don't tear your rotator cuff patting yourself on the back Hollywood I'm glad I flubbed that last line but it's a no for me Pappy wrote it down. I did. I was so excited. I did it in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> Mikey, go ahead. Uh, this is one of those movies where it's like, if this movie is so good, then why haven't I heard of it? Or why hasn't anybody told me about it? And it honestly just, I was going to watch La La Land sometime soon. And it just kind of put me off to the whole idea of watching another meta Hollywood movie for a little while. I don't know. It's a no. I didn't like it. Vince. Um, addendum, we did not bring up Chris Cooper, who won Best Supporting Actor in this film. Um, I don't know if I agree with that award, but I think we should we should uh, bring that up at least, that you know there was an Academy Award winning actor in this. And we didn't bring up his plot point at all. Um, but back to yes or no. Uh, I said it at the beginning, no, and I, I, I stick with that. You guys made good points. I guess I can see why... <clears throat> people might like it, but I was bored, as Mikey put it, why don't people talk about this more if it's such a great movie? Um, yeah, I, I, I just don't like it. It's a no. It's a no dog. Hard no dog. <laughs> Stevie? The sigh from Oof. Josh that he heard it was a no <laughs> dog and not just a no was priceless. <laughs> Hard no dog. Jeez, sorry this movie didn't feature British dwarves speaking gibberish or a man in a cape screaming Martha. Um, two men in capes screaming Martha. <laughs> two men in capes screaming Martha to get a yes on this podcast. God, heaven forbid someone creative gets writer's block and throws it by Hail Mary and gets a movie made. Fair, Jesus. Fair, fair. The man had writer's block. But, um, it showed. It showed. Yeah, I, yeah, I love this movie. <laughs> Uh, Pappy's yelled at me that's before I do have a leaning bias towards Hollywood meta movies I'll be the first to admit it I do uh, so this movie's more at my alley and plus I love the work of Charlie Kaufman um, especially Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind or Anomalisa or B.N.J. Malkovich or even this movie I think he's a really strong writer and Spike Jones is an awesome director especially for keeping Nick Cage tame throughout the movie I mean we didn't even he was tame Nick Cage you never really saw him go on one of his Nick Cage moments that's very memeable true um. Yeah, I I really like this movie. Maybe you guys haven't heard about it so much because we were 11 when it came out. Um, but it's also 2002 was also one of the strongest movie years. So it's kind of one of those lost in the shuffle movies. So um, definite yes for me. And sorry, not everyone enjoyed it. 
Yeah, I think this movie is kind of a sleeper. What else was that year? Uh, Lord of the Rings. Uh, remember, um, Signs. One of the Men in Blacks. <laughs> Probably the first one then. First one was 98, oh, I think. Minority Report, Catch Me If You Can, Gold yeah. Member, Harry Potter, Chamber of Secrets, and Born Identity. Mm. Huge movies. Mm. Huge. Huge. Yeah, I think this movie is kind of a sleeper. Uh, I remember when it came out, and I watched it then, very small understanding of it. But now, as an adult, like I get it. I think it's interesting. I think the characters are really unique. And it was really cool to see Charlie Kaufman's inside of his head this closely. Anyone who is aspiring to be some sort of a writer, I should say. Like, it's it's pretty interesting. I heard someone at work today when I brought this movie up say that they thought it was a perfect movie. I'm not sure if it is. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm not going that Hot far, take. but this, this movie is just kind of like right up my alley. So I'll, even though it's not a Western, I'll give it uh, a hard yes. So that was adaptation completely spoiled. Is, is there anything that we didn't spoil from the movie that should bring up? I mean, Maggie yeah, well, Nick, in it. Nick Cage's uh, twin flies through the windshield. That's hilarious because it's such a body dummy, but it's like funny. Obviously, the dude's like dying in that scenario, so it's not funny in that sense. But I cracked up when I saw him fly through the windshield because it didn't look real. It looked like uh, it looked like almost like uh, like. Uh, I don't know, like a modern comedy type of like gag kind of thing, like from Neighbors with the airbags or whatever, just like a, a fake body flying through the air, and it's obviously fake. I thought that was funny. I found that scene pretty jarring. And same with, <laughs> same with the first car crash earlier in the movie. I thought they were both pretty scary <laughs> and realistic. but The first one I thought was more real because it, it, it kind of came out of nowhere, I thought. But that one I hate like, that in movies. I hate car crashes in movies. They're so yeah. cheap. Gotta be a car crash. I think Charlie Kaufman does too. Oh, that's why you did it, to be so preferential. <laughs> I get it. That's brilliant, dude. I thought maybe the cheesiest part of the art, the movie... I wasn't talking down to you. I was just making a point. Don't talk down to me and be rude. <laughs> fair, I thought fair, maybe fair. the cheesiest part of the movie was when they're walking through the swamp and the alligator like attacks LaRoche. Oh, gosh, and that's how, yeah. That's how Charlie Kaufman gets away, because an alligator saves him. Such a Florida thing. This movie's only for Floridians. Florida yeah. man. <laughs> Florida man. <laughs> Eaten by Gator after shooting twin brother, a famous... Yeah. Anyway, who's ready to move on to trivia? Let's do it. This game is kind of it's twisted. A Meryl game. It's not Meryl Streep. Uh, this, this game we're going to call <coughs> Kaufman. <Ooh>. So... <laughs> Your job is to say whether the quote you read is by Andy or Charlie Kaufman. Oh, fuck yes. Oh, wow. Well it, done. Uh, if you get it wrong, you are out. One so, and done. Yeah. Um, and that's mostly because I don't have a ton of quotes prepared. So. <laughs> anyway. Don't worry, we never go deep. <laughs> We're in the you, hard way. <laughs> Pappy, I think you, uh, you won last week. I'm going to make you go first. I did for Aliens. And then we'll go Pappy. No, you didn't because Grand Budapest Hotel, uh, Stevie. Oh, yeah. So we'll go go Stevie, Pappy, Stevie, Mikey, Vince. 
So if you get, if you're wrong, if all three of you miss the first one, Vince wins without getting the correct answer. Just FYI. <laughs> Ooh, freebie. He really needs that win. <laughs> He's been begging lately. So. A lot's riding on this. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Happy, are you ready? It's Stevie, but I am oh, ready. Stevie. <laughs> Stevie, are you ready? I'm still ready. Sure. <laughs> Stevie, what's the name of this game? Do you remember? I'm ready too. The Coffin. No. <laughs> coffin. <laughs> that was I not funny but i thought it was funny <laughs> okay stevie your quote is there's no way to describe what i do it's just me is that andy that is andy Ooh. that sounds like him here i come to save the day happy quote i have a lot of health anxiety he said again health quote i have a lot of health anxiety Sounds like uh, Charlie. Pappy gets it right. Putting the pressure on. Yeah. So this is Mikey. I do have, at certain times, a certain kind of self-consciousness in the world. An insecurity. Charlie? Yes. Come on, you guys. Get some wrong. This is how this is supposed to be. (laughs) Don't worry. I'll get this one wrong. (laughs) You know in trivia. Oh, God. All right, Vince, quote. Praying for you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> Andy Kaufman? Yes. That's the easiest yeah, thing. I was going to say. even had a humor touch to it. I couldn't get that one wrong. Vince, your quote, my name is Andy Kaufman. Who said that? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. All right, Stevie. No. Constantly talking isn't necessarily communicating. Charlie. Charlie is right. Oh, buddy. Happy. Mm-hmm. I never told a joke in my life. It's got to be uh, Andy. Yes, it is. Funny guy. Wow. <laughs> Mikey. He was. He's pretty Josh hilarious. <laughs> Mikey. Yes. I'm sharing things I like, inviting the audience into my room. Charlie. That is Andy. I'm sorry. Ooh, I would have said Charlie, too. That was a tough one. All right. Fuck this game. <laughs> Sneaky. Vince, there's no drama like wrestling. Hmm. Andy. Yes. I love the quotes Vince are getting. It's like if you saw the movie, Man on the Moon. Wow. <laughs> if you've seen a movie, it'd be so easy. All right. Yeah, I'm two for two, so you say whatever you want. Jeez. Stevie. Yeah. I'm not into extreme sports or something. I just live a quiet life. God. Mm. That could go either way. Mm-hmm. That's tough. Especially with Andy's wrestling Jerry Lawler. Um... Andy? I'm sorry. It's Charlie. Ah, buddy. So it's just me and Vince left? Yeah. And then there were two. All right. Let me turn my head before I cough, man, then. All right, I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) That's a physical joke. All right, Patty. (laughs) We are what we love, not what loves us. We are what we love, not what loves us. Correct. I'll be honest. My first instinct was Charlie, but I'm going to say Andy. Ooh, 
this one's especially embarrassing because this quote is from this movie. You are what you love, not what loves you. Oh, wow. fuck. Charlie Kaufman. We are what we love, not what loves us. Does that mean I win or do I have to answer one? Uh, he has to answer one, right? I mean, earlier you stated the rules that I win, <laughs> but I'll answer one if you want. Okay, how about and for if fun? it's as hard as the last ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am Andy Coffin. Who said that? <laughs> I was on SNL. Who am I? I've appeared in Taxi. <laughs> I'm dead, but Jim Carrey played me. Name my character. You can say I'm a man on the moon. <laughs> So do I have to answer or yeah? No. <laughs> I'm confused. I, I think by the rules I win. <laughs> but it feels like a very cheap win now. Oh my Susan Orley entrusted me with the book. She should know. Who am I? Oh buddy. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> I need a good laugh. Will anybody play us out? Wait, do I win? <laughs> yeah, yes, you win. Sure. We'll, we'll wait to hear your movie at the end. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, the best place is podcastspoilers.com. Uh, there you can find our Twitter, which is at spoilers underscore pod. You can find our links to iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher, uh, Podbean. You can find us pretty much anywhere. Um, our email address is podcastspoilers.com, but you can also find, or podcastspoilers at gmail.com, but your main spot is podcastspoilers.com. We're finding everything spoilers. Uh, Joshua Hensley of the band The Rutabaga plays our spoilers theme song that you're hearing now. And uh, we have a phone number. It's 903-776-4507. Uh, it's also on the website, but call us, leave us a movie review when you get out of the theater, or just uh, tell us what you think about adaptation. Or the Missouri breaks. <laughs> no, if you, if you want. <laughs> <laughs> the only podcast to ever do so. Uh, okay. Well, so I I win trivia, but it kind of feels like that kid on the t-ball team that isn't very good. So the dad kind of like kicks the tee and the ball falls forward <laughs> and they swing. Uh, that's what it feels like after this trivia win. But I'll take it, baby. It's a Vince episode. Put Josh threw that ball over the fence. <laughs> yep, yep. Strap in. It's a Vince episode. So we're going to take it back. Uh, I have historically gone 60s. We're going to go back to the 50s. This is Ooh. 1957, oh, a Sidney Lumet film, if you will. Oh. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. I think Pappy might be a little upset that I'm picking it. It is 12 Angry Men. A Never upset. Great choice. A miscarriage of justice by forcing his colleagues to reconsider the evidence. And the reason I picked this is I think it's really important um, to kind of know your rights as almost like a U.S. citizen and the judicial system. It's not in place to screw people over, and I think a lot of people think that today. Um, but it is in place in general to serve justice, and I think this is a really good movie to kind of put everything back in perspective. But we're gonna do 1957 Sidney Lumet's Twelve Angry Men. Nice. Cool. <laughs> Everyone's like, fuck off. <laughs> no, that was actually on my short list, but I'm not pissed, pissed that I'm you picked it. it. It's uh, How old was that? 1957? Yeah, this movie is fantastic if you haven't seen it. I'm really 1957? Is that what you said? 1957. The magical time. 60 year old movie. Let's do it. Yeah. That was spoilers. That was spoilers. Math teacher Mark Math Baber.